Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Man, thank you, Jay. Well, hello, folks. Um, my name's Tim, and I'm senior pastor here at the church. Jay did such an outstanding job last week, and yes, he did. Give him a big round of applause. Anybody that chooses demon possession as their choice of a sermon topic, the only thing next is tithing, and I'll give that to you next, <laughs> since you handle demon possession so well. Um, <laughs> We were off in Ohio and West Virginia doing a wedding last week. We were in what was called Mothman. Any of you guys remember that movie, Mothman deal? Yeah, we went there. We were staying on the Ohio side, and then we would go to the West Virginia side for the wedding, and we got to see uh, the Mothman territory. And I just wondered why, if the Mothman shows up when horrible things are going to happen, why didn't he show up during the pandemic or before it? Why didn't he let us know about this? Uh, uh, we enjoyed, there was a family, uh, the Jans that are part of our church for many, 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 many years, and their son got married, and <laughs> Sherry promised me, she said, tell me now, when my boys get married, will you marry them off before they retired and, and moved to Florida? And I said, yeah, and so she kept me to my word, and uh, we had a good time. Hey, we're in a very, I think, interesting part of Scripture today. The fill-in is on my Pastor Tim Facebook page, the church Facebook page, as well as the Bible app page, and we're going to be in Matthew 15. Um, If you have tried to follow God, walk with God for any length of time, I hope you, I honestly do hope this, I hope you have found a point in your walk where you, you say to God, really? And like, I don't get this. And it doesn't sometimes take that long of walking with the Lord to, to get to that place. And today, uh, we're going to see a very, I think it's uncomfortable conversation. We're in a series called Ordinary People, and this woman, uh, this mother in this story in Matthew 15 is certainly ordinary in the sense that if you're a parent, you know how you hurt for your children when they're in distress. There is something that just, your insides want to be pulled out. I mean, you just, there's a deep pain and hurt for them. And this mom was so concerned with her daughter. And so we're going to take a look at her and we'll do the questions and we'll do the three fill-ins together and uh, I'm going to discover a a few things and you know when Jesus introduced himself to me he showed up in a spot that I never expected him to show up and we're going to see today that Jesus shows up in locations that honestly weren't expected of him uh, not knowing who he was completely and clearly and so Matthew 15 21 through 28 and let's read it together and then I'll pray and uh you know, I'm going to pray too today as I know this is this whole situation is bearing very heavily on many of you and it is with us. Uh, you spend so much time alone in your house, away from your family, away from uh, your kids, your grandkids if you have them, your friends, you're trying to be you know, you're trying to be responsible and uh, and this it's a heavy weight on a lot of us and you know, when I look back over 
the history of those folks who have followed Jesus and followed him closely. There's, I don't know of a single one of the biographies and the testimonies of these men and women of God who have not found themselves in distressing places and times in life where it just seems just very heavy upon them. And I know that the Lord said he is very close to the brokenhearted. That he's very close to those whose hearts have been broken and are heavy with the trials of the world naturally. But when these kind of things happen, I believe Jesus can be present and we can recognize his presence even in a greater depth of time. So let's read the scripture and I'll pray over us. And look, if you're carrying that heaviness, I want you to know there's nothing wrong with you. That's a part of being a human being in the world that we live in. We're flesh and blood. We're feelings. We have our hopes, our dreams, the people we want to be around, the people we want to be close to. And when that is threatened or taken away, like this mom that we're going to read about today, the natural inclination is to be down about it. And so there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you're longing for something that's good and it's healthy. And the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. So let's read this. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. Us. You see how they included themselves in that? He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Oh, nice, gentle Jesus. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Lord, we ask for you to bless the reading of your word. I ask that you breathe life on it. I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would come. We know you're with us, but I ask that you come in a very special way to each of us in this parking lot and those listening in this neighborhood right now. I pray your wonderful, loving, gentle, assuring presence, God, would come. Fall on us. Comfort us in our grief and in our loss and in our longing. Feed us, bread of heaven, with your life. Feed us, Lord, with your hope. Feed us, Lord, with your comfort. Come, Jesus, help me in my weakness this morning. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes, Lord. Bring to light this word, this conversation between your son and this woman who was in need. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've got your fill-in pulled up from the Bible app, your first fill-in is this. It wasn't the perfect situation. This was not the perfect situation. It rarely is, is it? I mean, 
It wasn't the perfect setup that you would think it is. Jesus leaves his home territory where people knew him, where you would think they would have embraced him and accepted him. He leaves them and he heads northward into the Canaanite area. And uh, this is not what you call the most receptive area to Jesus or to any Jew for that much. And so he's moving away from those whom he probably or we would have expected anyway them to be open to him, to listen to him, to expect him as Messiah. Uh, he's been rejected, and now he retreats, and he moves. It says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This was a... Uh, this is the area where Jezebel was. If you read the Old Testament, this old story, and um, the home of Jezebel out of 1 Kings, it's the area where the Israelites back in the Old Testament had driven this group of people, these non-Jews, into this area. They were hated enemies by the Jews and the Canaanites despised the Jewish people. Uh, they were the most despised of Israel's enemies. And uh, I tell you, when Matthew wrote this uh, chronicle, this testament of Jesus, uh, he, his Jewish readers who read this would have just been gone. What? Oh, man, you got to bring these people into this? They would have been turned off by it and what's going on here. It would have really tested them, too, if they had had any racist tendencies in them toward the Canaanites because they had been enemies for a very long time. I may be chasing my notes around here today. We'll see. Uh, so it wasn't the most comfortable. It wasn't the perfect situation for the disciples. They were very uncomfortable with the way things were. Um, but you know what? Jesus shows up in some of the most imperfect settings, right? How about your life? Has he ever shown up at a place where you thought, I never would have expected him to be here? I know that's the way it was with me. I know that I never expected Jesus to show up at a surfing contest. He wasn't invited. I don't know who invited him, but he went there anyway, and he showed up anyway. I've seen him show up at the dinner table of a drug pusher and his wife. I've seen Jesus show up in a jail cell between one murder in this cell and another in this cell. I've seen Jesus show up at Columbia Correctional Institute. When you go down deep, now I wasn't in there. I went in there, and thank you, went down into that those catacombs and then out into the middle where that chapel is in the middle of that prison. And I've sat there and I've watched Jesus go into that prison and minister to people. Jesus shows up at some of the most amazing places, and I'm so grateful that he does and that he still does. I've watched him show up in hospital rooms when people are about to take their last breath, and I've watched the peace of God just slowly come upon that family and upon the person, and I've watched Jesus be there. The longer you live this life and you walk with Jesus, you come to realize Jesus, you can't say keep out to Jesus, no matter where you are, he seems to show up. This is a Canaanite, like we said, a hated enemy of Jesus and the Jews. This is a woman, and we've talked about this many times. This is a woman approaching a Jewish teacher. So that's just not comfortable in any way. This is 
they're, she's approaching this entourage, this, these disciples around Jesus, but she will not be deterred. She presses in. Her daughter is being oppressed and possessed by a demon that's causing all manner of problems. We don't know exactly what. And get this, three miles from where this is happening, there was a temple built for healing, a pagan temple built for healing. Had she been there and her own religion failed her? Probably. Three miles away is not a far walk for these days, and for her to have taken her daughter there to try to get help, and it didn't work. And so she's desperate. There's nothing perfect about this situation, and all the social rules are being broken here. Now, here's our question for this first fill-in, and that, uh, that it wasn't the perfect situation. Have you faced a situation recently that was less than perfect? Have you faced a situation, kind of looking around this parking lot, that answer should be fairly, I can lead you in the right direction to that, but um, have you faced a situation recently that was less than perfect? Why don't you share if you feel comfortable with someone next to you, or if you're alone, maybe you can consider that and think about that or get with someone. Go ahead. Maybe you're in a situation right now. It's less than perfect. It wasn't the perfect situation. Sometimes we wait, don't we, to put all the pieces together to make it just right so that we can then maybe pray. God, would you do something? Maybe I have to put this together. Everything's got to be lined up just so. Or I can't go to you and I can't ask you to intervene in this. It wasn't the perfect situation. It wasn't the perfect situation for these disciples. It wasn't the perfect situation for this woman. It wasn't, it just wasn't a setup it looked like. It wasn't the way she wanted it. It wasn't the way the disciples wanted it. But it was the way Jesus wanted it. The second feeling is this. It wasn't the perfect reception to say the least. It was not the perfect reception. I read, I don't know how many commentaries on this passage of Scripture, and down through the ages, it's amazing how so many people want to try to reconcile Jesus' response to this lady and try to make it less tension-filled. But I don't think that's why it's in there. I, I, and there are some others who believe this as well. I think we need to leave the tension intact in this situation because there's so many of us who have been in these situations where Jesus responded in ways that maybe we didn't expect. And things were not going well. Look at Matthew 15, 23. Jesus did, his first response was this. He ignored her. Matthew 15, 23. You ever felt ignored by God? Like, I think my words are just kind of going up in the air and then they're falling right back down. Like, they, you know, there's, God's doing social distancing. Like, He's far enough away that, you know, He can't hear me. And so it just kind of goes up. Jesus' first response is to ignore. Just, I mean, she's Lord, help me, help me. And He just, like, keeps on trucking. 
like I said, if you haven't, you know, if you walk with God for any length of time, it's okay to be honest here. You have felt like this, right? You felt like, is, is it really getting there? I don't, I don't know. And then, if that wasn't enough, in uh, the 23rd verse, we read this. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out to us. He includes himself. Well, I didn't see anything in her words. <laughs> she was trying to get to them, right? But you know how it is when you're a hanger-on. You just kind of want to be important. So disciples were like, oh, man, they keep yelling at us. No, really, she's calling on Jesus, dude. That's who she's calling. But they're getting irritated. They want her to stop. And so... They came to Jesus and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out to, to us. So there's this put down. So she's ignored, ignored, and then she's put down by the disciples. But the woman hangs in there. She continues. Matthew 15, 24, Jesus responds to her. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. What's he doing? He's quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting his original mission that the Messiah would come through Israel, that Israel will be the first to hear the gospel. Of course, it's rejected. And then he moves into the Gentile territory, like right here. He moves in. But God was doing that first. So what is he doing now? She's been ignored. She's been put down. And now she's minimized. Like I wasn't really called to you originally called to the Jewish people, to Israel. This woman is still hanging in there. Now, I've said this before. Jesus is really smart. He's using a literary tool here in order to teach the disciples to work with this woman and to make a declaration that's going to change every one of our lives. What's about to happen? And then in Matthew 15, 26, it gets even worse. And you've got to let the tension just boil here. Jesus responds with, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Did Jesus just call her a dog? You feel it? It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And that's what Gentiles, you know, the Jewish people had relegated the Gentile people to, dogs, the Canaanite people. They despised them so much. Jesus is building the tension, letting it build, letting it build, letting it build. All the time in this woman, something else is building. Something beautiful. And again, I don't want to gloss over this. I don't want to try to make it look any less... Uh, filled with like a nervousness because this is I think what Jesus intended all along Jesus is a genius a real genius and so he sets the mood he knows where this is going he knows where it's going to end up at he knows who's listening he knows right now who is listening to this story right here and right now and so he builds the tension so let me ask you this have you ever felt like God ignored you Have you ever felt like God ignored you? Like he's just not listening? Why don't you share that with someone? Maybe you can say, yeah, this time I asked for this and that. I feel like he just was not listening to me. But I think this gets us to the crux 
of why this story is a part of the Gospels and the story here in Matthew. And it's also over in Mark as well with a little, little different um, take on it. It wasn't the perfect reception. It wasn't the perfect situation. But I'll tell you what. What this woman did, it was the perfect response. That's your third fill-in. It was the perfect response. The perfect response to it not being a perfect situation, to it not being the perfect reception. She responded exactly as she should have. She will not be deterred. She will not be put off. She will not grow tired in her petition of the Lord. Notice how she approaches this. In Matthew 15, 22, she calls him Lord. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. That is the prayer. That is the prayer, right? Our founder, uh, John Wimber, used to say, here's the prayer that worked for him the most. Help! <laughs> he said he prayed that prayer more than any prayer. Help, God, help. And that is prayer in its purest form. And this lady approaches Jesus with this Lord, son of David. She's heard. She's recognized at least something that this man that stands before her is in her area, her hometown, the place that she feels most familiar with. There is something very different about this man. Son of David, fulfilling the Jewish prophecies. He's there. Lord, if anybody can help me, this man can. I've heard the stories of him casting demons out. I've heard the stories of him healing people. My own temple three miles away didn't work for me. My pagan religion didn't work for me. It hasn't helped me at all. Jesus, I know you can help me. I know you can. I know you can help my daughter. I know you can. I will not be deterred. Help. And then again in verse 25, she says, Lord, help me. Man, there's your Jesus prayer, right? I used to, another pastor, one of our, Lucas, the church that we planted up in um, Brunswick County, made me a prayer bead one time with seven beads on it because I prayed the prayer, this Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That prayer, that is like a, a prayer that I probably pray 20 times a day. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Actually, Scripture, it's the sinner. Not one of many. It's right now, I'm the sinner. <laughs> doesn't matter about what anybody else is doing. It only matters that I'm before you right now, the sinner. Have mercy on me, the sinner. And this is the prayer this lady is praying over and over again. And then look what she does. Matthew 15, 25, she comes, she will not be put off, and she kneels before Jesus. No matter what he has responded to her, no matter the imperfect situation, she kneels down before him. King, Lord, Canaanite, Gentile woman, pagan background, kneels before him out of respect, out of petition. It's the perfect response to who he is. You know, I, I believe that you can be serious and you can be absolutely honest with God and you can tell him whatever, whatever and however you're feeling. But can I just be honest with you as an old pastor here? I have never been able to talk disrespectful to the Lord. 
just not have been able to do it. I have friends of mine who says you can get in front of Jesus and cuss him out, and he'll still love you. And I believe that's true. I do. I don't believe that it'll run him off at all. I just haven't been able to do it. I, don't, there's, I just can't do it. I mean, I can tell him I don't get this. I, I, you know, I don't understand what's going on now. But I think inside of us, as those who have been picked and chosen by God, there is something very powerful about even in the midst of our quandary and our questions and the mystery of what God is doing, that we be able to bow down before Him, to kneel before Him in the midst of those troubles and go, Lord, Lord. Jesus responded with that harsh statement about, you know, I'm not going to give the dogs, you know, what the children are supposed to eat, the children of Israel. And she responds perfectly with this. She can't, she just jumps on the metaphor, right? She doesn't, she doesn't try to change the subject. She jumps right in on the metaphor and she says in verse 27, Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. <laughs> Man, that is the most beautiful response. It's like, yeah. That may be true, but at least the dogs get the crumbs, and that's all I want, because a crumb from you is enough to take care of my daughter. Just a crumb. So she's humbled herself. She's called him Lord. She's appealed to him. She's crying out for help. She's kneeling before him. And here is the whole language of faith right here, and that is persistence. Persistence is the language of faith. Hanging in there persisting in it she's willing to stay connected and continue to make her appeal in whatever fashion she can bring herself to do persistence is the language of faith and desperation is motivation is it not she was desperate she was hurting you parents grandparents who have kids and you've watched your children to go through things you know it's tearing you up inside she wants relief as well from the pain she's suffering for her, for the daughter. And she wants the daughter to be delivered and free. So persistence is the language of faith. Desperation is the motivation. And she stayed humble throughout it, even though she made her plea clear. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says that God rejects the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Rejects the proud, but he piles on the grace to the humble. And then there's tenacity. You know, she locked on. She was focused in and she would not give up. Now, I wrote this down. This is an adaption from, I don't know where else I read it. I wrote it in my journal, but I adapted it in some ways. Your faith will not be defined by what you receive from God, but by what it takes to stop you from getting your request to God. Your faith will not be defined by what you receive from God, but by what it takes to stop you from getting your request to God. Now, last question, and we'll close. What are you having to persistently pray for right now? What are you in the middle of that you're having to stay tenacious and hang in there and continue to make your request known to God? 
Would you be so bold as to turn to someone near you and just say it to them? This is I'm having to hang on to this, and it you know it would be easy to give up, but I'm having to hang in there and continue to pray about this. Would you share that with one another? I love that the Bible is a real book with real people with real struggles and challenges. I love that it doesn't pull punches, that it gives us life in the raw. I love that there's not easy answers to complex situations and problems, but Jesus is still there in it. I love that there's more about God than I can understand and more about the ways that he deals with us and works with us that I'm still trying to wrap my head around and trying to understand. But I know this, through every passing year of us trusting him, of being tenacious, persistent, and trusting and continuing to ask him to heal us, to help us, to be there for us, our faith deepens with every passing year. We become a more humble people, but at the same time, a more trusting people. We seem to have maybe more questions as we go on in life, but we're more satisfied with just who Christ is in the midst of those years. It's the trusting, the believing, and the persistence that Christ calls us into. And you know what? Many times when a people of faith gather and they pray and they're persistent, God comes and does miraculous things. Some of you are witnesses and testimonies to that. He does miraculous things. A crumb from Jesus is enough to defeat the demon that possessed this woman's daughter. Just a crumb off the table was enough. Lord Jesus, you have given us yourself. You are the bread of heaven. Just a crumb from you is enough, Lord. As you look into the hearts of every person here in this parking lot this morning and online to those in their homes, you know the desires of the heart. You know those who are on the verge of giving up. You know those who have been hanging on for a very long time, persistent in prayer and trusting the Lord in every way. I'll pray your presence, Lord, that all of our lives would be magnified at this moment as we trust you. We continue to engage with you, Lord, and not bail and not leave. Sink, Lord, our confidence deeper into who you are and your grand design for all of create all of your creation, Lord, and all of humanity. May we trust you more, and yes, Lord, may we see more healed, delivered. Lord, come to know you, our children, grandchildren, our friends, God. We continue to call out to you, Lord, have mercy on me. 
Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Now, if you, before we sing our song here, if you are like on the edge, if you feel like faith-wise just giving up, like your fingernails are scratching on the ledge, I pray now you would open your heart to the very wonderful, loving kindness of a Savior who died for you, rose from the dead to secure your place with Him in eternity and to empower you to be His witness here all the days of your life. Come, Holy Spirit, now to those who are weak or short, Lord, of confidence in you, Lord. Make yourself known, Lord, in this presence, in this place right now by your presence. Come, Lord. Come. You've never surrendered your life to the loving Savior. What a time to do it right now. Say yes to Him and surrender to Him. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.